Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. May the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this great privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And so stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you in the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. Oh 
Oh, see. 
люблю Божий дом Нет роднее уголочка на свете Хорошо со Христом Там, где собраны Божьи дети Церковь, милый наш кровь Озаренные радостью лица И от Божьих слов Свет небесный нам в сердце струится, Свет небесный нам в сердце струится. Здесь собрание святых, Как не сладостно с ними в общении Самых близких родных, Самых чистых сердец единения Льется к Богу хвала. И молитва возносится к небу Здесь так много тепла Здесь обилие духовного хлеба Здесь обилие духовного хлеба Сколько радостных слез Церковь Божья есть небо предверье Все прощает Христос Приходит сердечным доверием Сердце к дивным твоим Ко святому общению стремится Наслаждается им И не может никак насладиться И не может никак насладиться Здесь собрание святых как не сладостно с ними в общении Самых близких родных, Самых чистых сердец единения Льется к Богу хвала, И молитвы возносятся к небу. Здесь так много тепла, Здесь обилие духовного хлеба, Здесь обилие духовного хлеба. Я люблю Божий дом, Нет роднее уголочка на свете. Хорошо со Христом, Собраны Божьи дети Хорошо со Христом В самом близком общении сердечно Как мы счастливы в нем Это счастье Он дал нам навечно Это счастье Он дал нам навечно Здесь собрание святых как не сладостно с ними в общении Самых близких родных, Самых чистых сердец единения Льется к Богу хвала, И молитвы возносятся к небу. Здесь так много тепла, Здесь обилие духовного хлеба, Здесь обилие духовного хлеба.
And so before we again continue to study the depths of our inheritance in Jesus Christ, the unchanging epigraph of our study of the Word of God is Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And for us as partakers of the body of Christ, to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in what is necessary to be done from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so we can put on the new form of life. The book of Ephesians 4.22-24 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. To fulfill this command, as we already know, we need to utilize three charging and fundamental verbs and these are to put off, be renewed and put on. We've noted that our decision regarding these three destiny-affecting actions to put off, be renewed, and put on will determine whether we transform ourselves into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath, or more specifically, will the accomplishing of our salvation come to pass, given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it forever and our names be forever blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one time. In a specific format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the following question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person, created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus, in righteousness and holy truth. And when we speak of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person, that contains the power of the resurrection of Christ and the all-armor of light, we've concluded that we need God's help in the form of His redeeming mercy. 
the means of receiving any kind of help from God in the form of his, the inheritance of His mercies is weaponry of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth. Since prayer isn't just a man's means of communicating with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven, a tool that activates the given law of God, man gives heaven this right so that he heaven may intervene upon the territory of earth. Considering that the most powerful form of prayer is a continual prayer that does not back away from its goal until what is asked for is received. We together have been studying the format of continual prayer in the breastplate of judgment of the high priest being a continual remembrance or memorial before God. The power of such a prayer was called to demonstrate the unlimited authority of God over our genesis and the allotted by him for us time and boundaries. We came to the necessity to study the goal God pursues in his intentions when he urges and calls his children to become warriors in prayer. Very often Jesus said, be vigilant in prayer. And also in what way and upon what conditions God is able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man could present the interests of God in implementing his inheritance in God. According to the revelation of Scripture, our prayer as a warrior in prayer is identified in the virtue of 12 precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, and it needs to be continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with faith of your heart with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, and in the Holy Spirit. In the previous services, we, in a specific format, have already looked at the essence of the first eight components that identified the state of the heart of a warrior in prayer, as well as the quality of his prayer, and stopped to study the ninth component, quality of continual prayer. This is the presence of the fear of the Lord in, in your prayers, or prayer that is made in the fear of the Lord. But first, I would like to once again present the antonyms or opposite qualities of prayer that have already been a part of our studies, because understanding the context context or background of each quality, we will better understand the quality and character of true prayer. So the antonym of continual is unfaithful or not continuing. Antonym of persistent is resistant. Antonym of diligent is lazy. Antonym of boldness is audacity. The antonym of reverence is forsaking or hatred. The antonym of faith of God is unbelief or resisting of the faith of God. The antonym of thanksgiving is unthankful, hard-hearted, or stiff-necked. The antonym of joy is sorrow or brokenness. And the antonym of fear of the Lord is the fear of man. Prayer that is performed in the fear of the Lord, as in the previous qualities of prayer, we needed to study four classical questions. What, from what wellspring does the fear of the Lord flow and what qualities or criteria does the fear of the Lord have? What purpose is the fear of the Lord supposed to fulfill within our relationship with God, with each other, and with all of the world? What price or what conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can be filled with the fear of the Lord in prayer? Or how do we keep or increase the fear of the Lord within our heart? And by what results do we need to examine ourselves on the presence of the fear of the Lord within our heart? In the previous services, we in a particular format together have studied the essence of the first question and stopped to study the second question. We've noted that the fear of the Lord and the fear of man are two absolutely different programs that come from two diametrically opposite wellsprings, identifying the program of eternal life that comes from God, containing the quality of the nature of 
of God and the program of eternal death coming from the entrails of the fallen cherubim, containing his qualities and his nature. The first Adam, due to disobedience to God, was transformed into the programmable system of the fallen angel and inherited from him a program opposite of God's fear, which was passed down to all mankind and came to be called the fear of man. The character included in the fear of the Lord, as with the previous qualities, is prescribed in Scripture for creating prayer as a commandment, as a requirement, a direct order, one that cannot be ignored, and if ignored, will be a verdict of death or a final break of our peaceful relationship with God. The fear God will not be patient with a person who will who prays without the fear. A prayer that, that that does not include the fear of the Lord, that is prayed separate from the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord as a program identifying the life of God is identified as the spring of the wisdom of God and, and is a carrier and demonstrator of this wisdom. And as a program, it is able to exist and demonstrate itself in nothing else but a programmable system, which is the wise heart of a man that becomes a possessor of a faithful mind abiding in the commandment of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Psalm 110, 10. We've noted that the reason for many misconceptions and wrongs is what our mind is dependent on or from. If we place our mind in dependence of men, from the opinion of men, and will be pleasing because of our weakness, their ignorance, and their religious ambitions. If we place our mind in dependence of the traditions of man, then for the sake of those traditions, we will remove or move the commandments of God aside. If we place our mind in dependence of logical thinking or obtained experience, then then this also will be a component bringing us far from the fear of the Lord. Since prayer, the fear of the Lord as the wisdom of God, although not against logical or rational thinking because of its its eternal being or existence, does not depend on logic and governs over logic. Just as a person in space, he uh, he ends up on the moon, and so the law of gravity is not existing there, and so he is not dependent on this law of gravity. He's not against the law, but he just is not dependent upon it. Therefore, only when, every time when God gives me a revelation, it's independent from logical mentality, and it's di- sometimes difficult to interpret and pass it on in in uh, into our regular language because uh, it doesn't always technically make sense but we do interpret it into a logical form of of understanding because that way we can apply it we know well that the world in which we live there are many forms of existing fear and even more phobias And practically the entire world is underpinned by fear and phobias. But all of these forms of fear come from one wellspring, the fallen cherubim, as we know, was inherited from the first Adam when he sinned and were passed on genetically to all mankind, these fears.
And further, all of these forms of fear do not parallel or identify with the unique and great nature of fear that comes from God and is passed down by right of birth from God to man. And so it's passed on in the form of a seed from God to man that needs to be grown. We need to keep in mind that there is a healthy form of fear that exists as well in the form of healthy thinking that does not yield suffering. Any form of fear that does not come from God yields suffering. At the same time, the fear of the Lord prompts a trembling reverence before God and an unexplainable admiration for God as it places man in the safest place called God. As it is written, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. 1 John 4.18 It's talking about the selective love of God, agape, that has nothing to do with our worldly understanding of love, because we understand love only through emotions. God's love is is action that leads emotions after itself but for us love is emotion that we follow and that forces us to serve it and our mind begins to serve the low instincts of a man emotional <clears throat> things that happen in man God has made man in his likeness so that he lead his emotions after himself, that he commands his emotions what they are to love and what you are to hate. And when people say you can't command the heart, that's, they testify of the fact that they're dependent on their feelings and that they serve their feelings. Today he loves, tomorrow he does not. Their philosophers say that between love and hatred, there's only one step. What kind of love is this? At the same time, godly love is the unification of all perfection that God has. This is the holy selective love of God. God loves those who love him and hate those who hate him. Therefore, if our worship is done out of the fear of the Lord, contained within the 12 precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, then it cannot be accepted by God. And such worship will not be received by God. And that is specifically why any attempt to enter the presence of God, to call upon God, or to serve God without the presence of the fear of the Lord, deeply offends God, does not consider God, and actually resists God. The absence of the fear of the Lord within the heart of a man testifies about the fact that this person is bound by the fear of man or human fear. This is why the cowardly, people that are cowards who knew the truth, but fear before others was in the way of their testimony, uh, of testifying that they are on the side of this truth. They stay in a neutral position because they're afraid of men. Their position in the parade that marches into hell will be the first. They'll be in the front. The killers, prostitutes, uh, homosexuals, and so the cowardly and unfaithful will be the first. 
And then, as you can see here, cowardly, Revelation 21.8, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which is burned with fire and brimstone. The word fear, wisdom, and commandment when it comes to the nature of God are identical as they identify the moral virtues of God. And because they are identical, the one word describes the other word as they come one from the other and authenticate one the other. This is specifically why the fear of the Lord is the true wisdom of God, presented in the commandment of the Lord. At the same time, true wisdom in the commandment of the Lord is identified as the fear of the Lord, identifying the given law of God. Question 2. What purpose does the fear of the Lord have in our relationship with God, with each other, and with all of the world? Studying the purpose of the fear of the Lord, we need to keep in mind that the boundaries of the fear of the Lord as the program of God are restricted to the boundaries of the heart of the one that fears God and the boundaries of this person's knowledge of the fear of the Lord. In a specific format, we have already studied four purposes of the fear of the Lord contained in the heart of a person fearing God. I will remind us of them. The purpose of the fear of the Lord as an equivalent of love for God is called to cast out the fear of man which produces suffering. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to give those who fear God a banner so that they display it on behalf of the truth to be delivered from the enemy. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to bring forth the mercy of the Lord upon those who fear God with the purpose of removing their transgressions so far as far as east is from the west. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called by the means of the mercy of the Lord to separate men who fear God from men that do not have the fear of the Lord by rewarding one and pouring out his vengeance on the other. The purpose of the fear of the Lord in the heart of those who fear God is called to turn God's favor upon them. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to lead those who fear God into the inheritance of the covenant of the Lord to give them food so God could give them the lands of other nations. <clears throat> Seventh, the purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to make those who fear God a tool of vengeance upon the angry Gentiles to destroy them for destroying the earth. And eighth, the purpose of the fear of the Lord is called the purpose of the fear of the Lord is to call those who fear the Lord to praise and glorify God. This is so that God not despise or abhor their affliction, and that God not hide his face from them when they cry out to him. Psalm twenty two, twenty three through twenty four. You who fear the Lord, praise him, all your descendants of Jacob, glorify him, and fear him, all you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from them. But when he cried to him he heard. First, in the given place of Scripture, the purpose of the fear of the Lord within the heart of those who fear the Lord is called to move them to praise and glorify God with reverence. Second, the seed of Jacob and Israel contains a blessing called to deliver our body from the rule or governing of the old man who lives within our bodies. This is the symbolic Esau with his army consisting of 400 armed with the sword men.
Third, those who fear the Lord is the entire seed of Jacob and entire seed of Israel who suffer according to the will of God. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. 1 Peter 4.19 Suffering according to the will of God happens upon one condition when the reproaches of those who reproach God fall upon those who fear God. And the reproaches of those who reproach God fall upon those who suffer according to the will of God because they demonstrate the interests of God, which is why zeal for for the house of God eats them up. Because zeal for your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Psalm 69, 9. And so this is when God takes the position of helper when it comes to us. We are responsible at this time. When we give him the right, according to his word, to act within us and through that through us upon planet Earth. And so zeal for the house of God can eat up those who suffer according to God's will because the Holy Spirit, presenting the essence of Christ, abides within their heart. According to the given purpose of the fear of the Lord, abiding within the heart of those who fear God, to praise and glorify God in reverence, we need to clarify, first, by what criteria do we determine our part or membership to the seed of Jacob? Because it is specifically our membership to the seed of Jacob that will determine the presence as well as the purpose of the fear of the Lord within the heart of a man. Second, by what criteria do we determine our membership to the seed of Israel? Since being a member of the seed of Israel determines the status of a warrior in prayer as well as the rightful purpose of his prayer, providing God grounds to fulfill his will for those who suffer according to God's will. Third, by what criteria do we determine the character of suffering that those who fear God suffer with? And fourth, by what technology and means do we need to use in our prayer of praise and worship so that God not despise or abhor our affliction and that God not hide his face from us when we cry out to him? Answering the first question, we need to immediately note that the seed of Jacob and the seed of Israel are the descendants that is those who fear God not those who came from the seed in the flesh but those who are descendants coming from the seed of the word of faith that in its time abided in Jacob and transformed him into Israel we know that in any seed there is a program that gets activated in proper or satisfactory conditions which is the good soil of the human heart As much as we know, the name Jacob needing to become a program within the heart of one who fears God immediately appears to have a contradictory meaning. Specifically, Jacob means, the definition of it is, he who will be holding on by the toe. He will leave a printer mark. He will overcome. And he will lead to error or confusion. or he will be a stumbling block is more of a for men who do not have in their heart the fear of the Lord he will lead them in to error he will be a stumbling block to them and they will be stumbling upon him they will be uh, and so 
As we can see in this, in this text, it is in these definitions that God saw the non-comprehensible to the human mind qualities. He loved Jacob, and because Esau did not have these qualities, he hated Esau. To love and to hate from God's perspective means to reward each according to their work, and this happens when God visits man or begins to weigh him upon scales of truth. Hosea 12, 2-4, the Lord also brings a charge against Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his deeds, he will recompense him. He took his brother by the heel in the womb, and in his strength he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought favor from him. He found him in Bethel, and there he spoke to us. And so he struggled in the womb, as we can see, and there was a battle between Esau and Jacob for the right of, for the birthright to be born first. It was so important for Jacob, this uh, birthright that he was fighting for in the womb. And now, say, children are are something in the womb that still doesn't comprehend. If you take all the minds of the philosophers and put them together, they are nothing in comparison to a child in the womb because a child in the womb is in the spiritual atmosphere, in, in the spiritual realm. He knows everything, but when he's born, he loses all of that. He, he doesn't lose it. It remains somewhere in him as a program in the, in the spirit that will need to be opened or, or uh, uncovered. But it's not in the mind of the, of the child, but in the heart of the child. Why, when we have talked about when Mary uh, came and greeted Elizabeth, she said, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the child became joyful within my womb, Elizabeth said. And I will remind us that the Soviet men of study, atheists, studied how a child behaves in the womb, how he reacts. They chose mothers with pathological uh, issues to make the decision of whether to abort the child or to keep the child so that he be born. And so the pathology uh, begins to uh, pretty much uh, demonstrate itself early. And so they were surprised, you know why? Because the mother didn't know anything. Uh, they were talking in a different building, and uh, the building that they were talking in, speaking with, together uh, in the other building, they were making decisions not to abort the child. The child uh, began to rejoice in the other building. And when they made the decision to abort, the child be, uh, had great fear. And so when women say, I will make a, uh, an abortion, I will, I will make an abortion, I, I've made a mistake. It's just as you're coming to a child with a knife to kill him that has already been born, a living child. Think about what you're doing.
Why I say this is because many women baptized by the Holy Spirit in speaking tongues, making a covenant with God, doing, are doing these things thinking that the child has not yet been fully formed as one so-called sister from our service had came to me, come to me and asked the question, when can you consider a, 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 a child in the womb as a, a per person in the time of conception? She said, how? At the time of conception. This is already an individual, and this individual will be then developing into a body. And so while as the seed has fertilized the egg, there's already an individual there, and this will now be forming into a body, but this is an individual. This is your son or your daughter. Let us look further why here it's talking about Jacob. I just want I want to talk about Jacob about his name, what was in his seed, this program in his seed, and those who fear God possess this program. They are the seed of Jacob and the seed of Israel. But right now we're talking specifically about Jacob. The thing is, he cried and he begged God in Bethel. The previous name of Bethel was Luz, or an almond tree that translates, when translated, is one who is vigilant over his word. Jacob named his, this location the house of God. And so Jacob came to sleep. In this place, he took a, a, a rock and he laid upon it. And he met the Lord in his dream. He saw upon this place a ladder that connected the heavens and the earth, upon which he saw angels of God ascending and descending, and the Lord stood upon the ladder from where Jacob heard the voice of God. And when he stood up, he was afraid. And he named this place Bethel, the house of God. He put oil upon the stone, and he said, if you will allow me to return here, I will return, and this, will be the, this place will be the house of God. I will bring my tithes here and honor you with them. I will bring a tenth part of anything I have. I will honor you in this house with my tithes and offerings, is what he prayed. And so a house of God is a specific gathering of saints that, like the heart of a man, is a programmable system of God. And so as the heart is a programmable system of God, the church as the body is also a programmable system of God, into which God places and opens his program, contained in the seed of his word, which identifies the presence and purpose of the fear of the Lord within the heart of a man. Let us read this place, this story, this place of Scripture, the story of what happened with Jacob. Let us see ourselves in Jacob. Genesis 28, 10 through 22. Then Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night. 
because the sun had come, had set, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. If the house of God is where the word of God is, then this ladder that connects the heaven and, and the earth is the only place where there, there's a, a connection between the two and angels are going up and down on this ladder upon the church of saints. And so the ladder's here. It connects the heavens and the earth. At the top is where the Lord is, and he speaks through his uh through his person, his word, and the angels go up and down upon this ladder to serve the house of God. And this happens only in those churches that are the body of Christ, of course, a holy church that does not confess a tolerant love, but a selective holy love of God. And so when I read this, uh, see yourself where Jacob is and where you sit, that's where the angels go up and down and all of the places, spaces that are empty, available in the room are occupied by angels and surround the house of God as well, the house of prayer. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of, and, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south, and in you and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In this program, that is, the seed is placed, all of the, see, all the families of the earth sh uh, shall be blessed. All tribes, tongues, and peoples shall come and receive the fear of the Lord. And so he says, the earth upon which you lie. We know that the earth is a symbol of the human body. He says, I will give her to you. Today, she does not belong to us. She belongs to the sinful man and his army. And many cannot use today their body. Yes, they use it physically. With their mind, they serve the law of God. God says through Apostle Paul, Paul says, what do I do if the law of sin and death live in my body, but in my mind a different law lives, the law of spirit of life in Jesus. The mind is renewed, what do I do? I am, as I am, I am unfortunate, what shall I do? And so, thanks be to God, with my mind I serve the Lord, but with my flesh I am serving the law of sin. And he says, don't pay attention to the body. Do things as if the, this body already is yours. When he said, I will give it to you, Jacob needed to accept that it was his land, although it didn't yet belong to him. Abraham did not have any of that land. Isaac did not have any of that land. Or Jacob have any of that land. And actually, Esau wanted that land. And so this is this army of the sinful man. 
Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And so God has a goal, God has a purpose, he will not stand away from that purpose. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And so his emotions were not able to know whether the Lord was there or not. Emotionally, he didn't experience that. But many people say, but I feel the Lord has left me or he hasn't left me. You need to not feel, but you need to know. <clears throat> and he said, I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And so the gate of heaven is the living church, the gathering of saints. These are the gates of heaven. Then Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put at, the, at his head, set it up as a pillar, and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz. Previously, then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and the stone which I have set as a pillar shall be, a God, shall be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will surely give you a tenth to you. I will honor you. I will bring them into your house because bringing, bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse. So if a person who comes to God and receives salvation does not have an organic membership to a specific church of saints, then this means only one thing, that this person does not have the fear of the Lord within his heart called to deliver his mortal body from the power of the old man as well as the power of the law of sin. Which is why God will hate this person and show upon him all of the anger of his wrath. And however this person tries to restore the destruction of his salvation, it is God and not Satan that will again destroy the building of his salvation and will pronounce it unclean territory and a nation that the Lord is angry with forever. I took this according to scripture, Malachi 1, 2 through 5. I have loved you, says the Lord, yet you say, in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord, yet Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated, and laid waste his mountains and his heritage for the jackals of the wilderness. Even though Edom, Esau has said, we have been impo impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places, thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will throw down. They shall be called the territory of wickedness, and the people against whom the Lord will have indignation forever. Your eyes shall see, and you shall say, the Lord has magnified himself beyond the border of Israel. Malachi 1, 2 through 5. There are unclean ones inside of us. This, these are the armies of the old man, the sinful man, uh, adultery, uncleanness of all kind, deceit, uh, a dirty mouth, and there are unclean ones also out of us. These are people that have received salvation and, and came to God, but refused to live according to his conditions. They have refused to receive his word into their heart. They began to control his word with their mind. 
they dare to do this and confront God, therefore. What they understood, they received, but what they didn't understand, they didn't receive. And what they did not understand, not only did they not receive it, they called heresy and mocked it. And so the scripture say the Lord has 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 indignation upon them forever. And so there are a lot of these people, and the other are few, and they're older, they're stronger, they have what the other one does not yet have. Second question, by what criteria do we determine our membership to the seed of Israel, which contains the program of God, to eliminate the power of the old man within our body? We know the name Israel, pronounced in Hebrew as Israel, means God will battle for, for or battle with you and for you in prayer battles against the powers of the sinful or old man who is supported by the powers of hell confronting us when we work to fulfill the will of God. And so, to eliminate the law of sin and death within our body, this is the will of God. And such, will, and such a will in the given situation consists, consists in, in delivering the threat of the, uh, ourselves from the threat of the old man whose current stronghold is our body. And status in prayer allowing God or providing God a basis to fulfill his will in our mortal body is building of the breastplate of judgment in the heart of those who fear God that contains the, com the fullness of the elementary teaching of Christ with the 12 stones upon which are written the 12 names of the sons of Israel that in configuration are in accordance to the golden settings that they are in. This kind of order of those who fear God allows them to pray in accordance to God's will and in boldness they can demonstrate their intentions and el can eliminate, work to eliminate the sinful man from the, whom they suffer. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked of him. The power for the right to pray in accordance to the will of God with boldness uh, speaks of a renewed mind that those who fear God have. And this is the result of being a member of the seed of Israel, having the program of faith within their heart. And so to examine ourselves, whether we are truly a member of the program of God, that is the seed of Israel, it is necessary to examine in what way and upon what and what means we utilize to renew our mind with the spirit of mind, which is the mind of Christ within our born spirit. A renewed mind of one who fears God, unlike the human mind, which relies upon its own horse and the speed of his own horse, actually relies, so the renewed mind relies upon the mercy of God and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And so the way of obtaining the renewed mind is the way of Mesopotamia to the Canaanite land. 
and the means for obtaining the renewed mind is the fruit of the Spirit as the twelve sons of Jacob. We know that he, he bore them in Haran, in the Canaanite, not in the Canaanite land. He, with his children, returned. And you'll see this, these twelve children as, as fruit, not just twelve patriarchs that are placed into the foundation of, and God showed us, first Jerusalem and, and the New Jerusalem, but also the breastplate of judgment. And so the third question, by what criteria do we determine the character of suffering that those who fear God suffer with? We need to keep in mind that all of the hu all humankind suffers and, and they suffer according to the will of Satan. At the same time, those who fear God suffer according to the will of God. So we need to determine the character of the sorrow of the entire all of humankind and also the sufferings of those who fear God. And so the character of suffering of all mankind is the, re the purpose or reason of it is it's their food and their God and their worship, which is sin. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to every one according to his work. Revelations 22, 11 through 12. And so specifically, the righteousness of those who fear God is the reason for their suffering that is in accordance to the will of God. Romans 7, 22 through 25, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And so, the reason of suffering for, according to the will of God consists in the conflict of the law of the renewed mind and the law of sin and death by the means of which the old man rules within our body. And so the fourth question, what technology and means do we need to use in our prayer of praise and worship so that God not despise or abhor our affliction and that God not hide his face from us when we cry out to him? Or more accurately, what technology and means do we need to utilize in prayer of praise and worship so that God, as the stronger one, would deliver our body from the strong one, that is, our old man or sinful man? The technology that we need to utilize in praise and worshiping God for the accomplishing for the accomplished by him redemption of our spirit, soul, and body is the decision and agreement of refusing to rely upon the emotional aspect of our soul and for the benefit of relying upon the mercy of God and his truth, which is the Holy Spirit. The means that we need to use for praising and worshiping God is the redemption of our spirit, soul, and body 
And we need to allow God to access our rib that we once relied upon as he did at the time Jacob. And so then our strength will be eliminated or removed from us. And we'll allow God to then dress our mortal bodies into its new person, carrying the loss of the spirit of life. And so the power of our body is based upon the law of sin and death. We receive from there, from the sinful man. The power of sin is the law. And this hip that we rely upon. And so if we eliminate sin, then death cannot be cannot do its work either because death is the result of sin. I will read one interesting place of scripture uh, that speaks of this very thing. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, how long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand in heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time times a times times and a half a time and when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered all these things shall be finished although i heard i did not understand and then i said my lord what shall be the end of these things and he said go your way daniel for the words are closed up and sealed till the times of the end many shall be purified made white and refined but the wicked shall be wickedly shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand but the wise shall understand acts 12:6 through 10 and so he didn't understand how this can come to pass, this mystery of God. He said that I understood this, but I did not un understand it. As he says, many shall be purified, ma made white, and refined, but the wicked shall be wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And so that's why the seed of Jacob shall lead them to confusion, because they will not comprehend. And so, practically, if suffering that is allowed by God does not melt our essence to cleanse it from chaff of the flesh, then this suffering is not in accordance to the will of God because suffering that is in accordance to God's will is suffering that is allowed for one purpose so that they, you can grow the fruit of the tree of, tree of life that God has prepared to dress us and dress our mortal body into. Acts 14, 21 through 22. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Acts 14, 21 through 22. With Understanding the importance and purpose of suffering that is done in according to God's will, David prayed these words, Have mercy on me, O Lord. Consider my trouble from those who hate me. You who lift me up from the gates of death. 
that I may tell all your praise. In the gates of the daughter of Zion, I will rejoice in your salvation. The nations have sunk down in the pit which they made, in the net which they hid, their own foot is caught. The Lord is known by the judgment he executes. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Meditation. The wicked shall be turned into hell on all the nations that forgot God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Psalm 9, 13 through 18. The righteous shall experience what the unclean need to experience. The wicked shall prosper, but the righteous will be lowered almost to what would be death, and they'll experience what is almost hell. They'll understand that hell in all its filthiness and all its deceit and all its... They will suffer from this, and all all this filth will be uh, ascribed to them, all of this sin they wicked have accused them in such a way that they will even allow them to justify themselves you know that you haven't done it but you can't justify yourself you are now pretty much sealed with a title as a, a lawless one an unclean one and a wicked one and call themselves righteous and ascribe the, the righteousness that is in you to themselves. And so God allows us to understand what hell is. Of course, we will not know what hell is as Jesus did because he physically came out of the body, died, and his spirit was lowered into the depths of hell, we will experience in the body, but this much as Jesus we would not be able to bear, but in parts we will experience. And some may even say that that now they have experienced, experienced something like it. And so to dress our mortal body into the resurrection of Christ, it is necessary that our mortal body uh, approach the gates of death because the dressing of ourselves into the resurrection of Christ is always the result of submerging into the death of Christ the process that happens by suffering with Christ. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 6, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same kind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think in strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Right now what I read, this is what's in the church of God. As a pastor, I know what I'm saying. Many brothers have confessed 
очень многие сестры мне исповедовались в лесбиянстве и в других вещах. In sexual things with things that are not with people, and also women who have confessed that they had done the works of lesbianism or the acts of lesbianism with others. And they suffer from this. They live two lives. They cover these things up. And so, according to the will of Gentiles, Gentiles is non-circumcised. And so, circumcision is, in the, is death in Christ, and so you'll be in the death of Christ. And so, you don't take part in their dissipation and their sins, and they, they will give an account to him, to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. And so also was preached also to those who are dead. What does it mean here? It's talking about those who died for sin. For them, it was preached so that they would that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. So that he judge our body in the flesh but it not die to save it. It's talking about when we're judged, we can live by the Spirit, and living by the Spirit, we can dress our body into its new person. First Peter 4, 1 through 6, From the position of eternity, the suffering that is done in accordance to the will of, of God to provide God grounds to uh, celebrate with the law of the Spirit of life within our mortal body over the law of sin and death, so we will have these short uh, forms of suffering upon the condition that the suffering that we experience will be focused in changing our mind and us focusing upon things that are unseen. 1 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. In other place of Scripture, 1 Peter 4, 12-19, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is, a tr which is to try you, as though some strange things happen to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. God exists in the past, present, and future, you need to remember. And so he says, with exceeding joy, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, uh, ble blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer a thief, an evildoer, or as a, a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in the matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will the 
will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God. Now, if the glory, if the righteous who is scarcely saved, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner go? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the, to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. And so summing up the purpose of the fear of the Lord in the given question, we conclude that a person who has a physical or organic membership to the seed of Jacob and seed of Israel will be delivered in his mortal body from the law of sin and death by the power of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, just as Jacob was delivered, he was afraid, he was in horror when he returned. When it was brought to his ears that Esau was coming and four hundred of his men, he became afraid. Remember what he did? He placed his children and his wives ahead and himself went behind from a person's point of view, you'll say he's a coward. How could he place his children first? And, and those children, Leah, he placed ahead. And so first, it wasn't the ones that Leah uh, bore to him, but uh, his uh, his other servant that bore him children. And then after that, those who Leah bore, and then after uh, the Rachel's, the one that Rachel's uh, servant bore him, and then Rachel's children after that. And only then himself. But ahead of all of them, he placed all of his flock and went himself behind. The reason was because this was the fruit the fruit of the Spirit. He was doing this from the spiritual point of view. Uh, from the uh, man's point of view, this was cowardness, but this was actually boldness because you will not be justified by your deeds, but the fruit that you show, the fruit will be your justification, the fruit of the Spirit. This was a symbol of the fruit of the Spirit. And specifically, when he saw all of this, he was disarmed. Practically, they met. They didn't see each other uh, for a long time. Esau even forgot what it was about. He fell upon the neck of Esau, of Jacob, and they cried. And they cried. And then he said, asked, who is this multitude you brought with you? And he said, I saw your face as if the face of God. Truly, when we see... Uh, that there's no longer a threat from our body and our body will no longer threaten us, we will see then as if the face of God. And Esau said, let us go together. Jacob said, no, you go yourself and I will go. I, I have my flocks, I have my little children. He left him all the gifts and he asked him to take the gifts and he took them. And in this way, Jacob came to the land of Canaan, and the Lord reminded him, remember, you gave me a promise uh, when you come back to Bethel, he s and, and he said, return there and build me another altar, and he did, and, he and it became a house of God. Ninth purpose of the fear of the Lord gives us the ability, when uh, researching our heart, not finding any lawlessness inside, which will then provide God grounds to hear our prayer, so that when we confess our sins, 
that have control over us or have taken uh, power over us, we be as a stranger. Psalm 66, 10 through, uh, 6, 16 through 20. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard me. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. Psalm 66, 16 through 20. This prayer that was pretty much uh, written to a melody and with instruments <clears throat> played was created by David at the time when he took the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, when he sinned before the Lord. And he says here, if I saw the lawlessness that was in my heart, God would not have heard me. Nathan, prophet Nathan came to him and told him of a story of something that has happened in his kingdom that a wealthy man had a, a lot of uh, flocks and, they, and there was another man who had only one sheep that he ate with that he slept with, next to as he had only one. Shepherds love their uh, flocks and especially little little sheep. They, they love to see them. But, and so he said, when a guest came in, this uh, came to visit this rich man instead of slaughtering one of his own and to feed his friend or this visitor, he took the one little ewe lamb that this other man had and slaughtered it to feed the, the visitor. And David said, as the Lord lives, this man needs to die. And then Nathan says, Master, my, Lord, my king, it is you. Of course, people can't really understand this. How is it God being so unjust? How is it that he forgave David? We talk about David and sing his songs. They call him a sinner, but God doesn't call him so. He calls him, I am the offspring and root of David. Jesus said, their sins and their lawless works I will remember no more. Why? Because this sin was not from his heart. He, it came from outside. And that's why the purpose of the fear of the Lord gives us the ability so that God would hear our prayer so that when we will confess our sins that has taken power over us as, this, as a stranger. And so this is addressed to all who fear God so that at the time of their falling, they would be able to differentiate the stranger that comes to them as these uh, destructive desires of the flesh from the master that lives in their heart that confronts these desires of the flesh. And so it's terrible when this uh, lust lives in the heart. The, there's a big difference when it lives in the body and when it's living in the spirit or the heart. A person by his sinful nature 
and his egotistical nature is used to, with his mouth, exploit the mercy of God, turning himself and those who are under his responsibility, uh, forgetting that the mercy of the Lord is given only to those people that in the confessions of the faith of their heart present uh, the thought-out interests of God that are contained in their heart, the commandments of the Lord that they fulfill by bearing fruits of the Spirit, satisfying the hunger and thirst of God, and bringing peace to God. Although a righteous man may fall, it says a righteous may fall seven times and rise. Why does he rise up again? Because in his heart, he has a strong hunger to fulfill God's law, to fulfill God's commandments. And every time he falls again, he rises up again and again and again. And so when he does this, he satisfies the hunger and thirst of God. And God sees this because sin has taken power from the stranger or by the stranger. It came out from outside. And so these people are people in whose heart the Lord's wisdom, in whose heart the Lord's wisdom dwells and exists. And so how can one that fears the Lord fall into sin? Some may ask, well, of course it can. All of us walk with falling in our hands. The scriptures uh, write about this. Was David not one who feared the Lord, righteous and upright? He was. And look what kind of terrible sin he did. Look at Saul. He didn't do such, commit such a sin. In our eyes, what did Saul do? He did not commit such terrible sin as David. Uh, Saul did not uh, murder or anyone or commit adultery with another but he just didn't fulfill the will of God and it was but David the word of God was so precious to him and in the word of God he knew that if lawlessness is not in the heart God will hear him and that is why he turned to God he had hope that God will hear him because this lawlessness did not come from his heart but from outside we need to ask the question, what abilities do we need to have within our heart to have the ability to see and examine our heart for purity and or lawlessness? Looking at the words of Scripture, many people will come to God and who receive salvation will not only see lawlessness in their heart, but actually will see lawlessness as righteousness in their heart. See what David says, if I saw lawlessness in my heart, but we know that many people do not see this, then they will not be able to see it also. It will not be given to them to see. God will blind their eyes. Not to, They will not feel, see, or know so that they turn back, because if they turn back, he will need to heal them. God does everything that they not turn back. And so that's why I asked the question, in what way do we need to examine ourselves whether we have purity in our heart or lawlessness in our heart? The acts of righteousness in the heart of those who fear God, these people will see 
And so Romans 11, 7 through 10 says, What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect, this is the small flock, have obtained it, and the rest were blinded, just as it is written. They did not see lawlessness in their heart. It was there, but they didn't see it. Because, and those saw that there was no lawlessness there. But those, there is lawlessness, but they don't see it. These saw that they don't have lawlessness in their heart. Those who are elect, and these were, were blinded because God had given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, to this very day. And David says, let their table or their uh, false teachings become for them a snare and a trap. And I asked them, why are you leaving the church? They say, well, we have another gospel. You preach just as you preached before. Nothing has changed. We are the ones that change, they say. We, we now have a different gospel. And so God has blinded their eyes. They stopped seeing. And so let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. This is a curse. Apostle Paul wrote these words. This is a curse. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see. Romans 11, 7 through 10. The reason for why many people are not able to see lawlessness in their heart and do not then ask God for mercy is because their unfaithful position from which they examine themselves. You need to have a specific position, a correct position, uh, in order to see. Being a young man, I had decided to go to one mountain. Uh, there were a lot of mountains uh, and one of the mountains had a monastery and I wanted to go see it being a young man I was about 15 years old I always had a, a desire to go there and I with my with two other sisters from the church there were a lot of uh, a lot older than me uh, we took a three liter bottle of of uh, pickled tomatoes and lemonade we took on the side and we went eight hours we walked to this monastery and when when we were going down you can't see the monastery you can only see one mountain and we think if we go up on this mountain the monastery will be there but when we rise up on the mountain before us there was another mountain even higher than the one we were climbing up. But in order to go up upon this higher mountain, you need to go down from this other mountain, then go up onto the next one. And so we walked. Glory God, glory to God, God kept us safe. There are people who met us were very surprised. As shepherds that saw these two young men, women with a teenage boy, but God kept us, protected us, and we returned very late. All were already uh, worried, of course. Sometimes it appears to us that we see. Sometimes we may, but we sometimes may not see many things. And so the position needs to be correct from where we see. Why do they not see? Because they have the wrong position. In order to see what God is showing, you need to be at the right place. And we'll talk about this position.
Luke 13.23-29 Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. They will be seeking to enter, they truly will be seeking, but they will pro- have the wrong position, and they will seek where it's, they're not supposed to be seeking and not with those instruments they need, and will not be able to. When Once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. Where are you from? It's talking about he will close, shut the door for those who, those who, Uh, already went through the narrow gate they'll enter and and the door will be shut then you will begin to say we eat and drink in your presence and you taught in our streets but he will say I tell you I do not know you where are you from depart from me all you workers of iniquity these are the foolish uh, these are not the foolish uh, virgins these are people who were unclean and uh, Consider themselves righteous and mocked the true righteous ones. There will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. Then they will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. This is the elementary teaching of Christ. Uh, and so east, west, north, and south, where they will come from, they will come from this teaching of Christ. They abided in this teaching, these four teachings, these four uh, uh, angles, these four sides, and they will come from these, some think that they will come from all the ends of the the earth. No, they'll come from the teaching. I want to note that many people that come to God and receive salvation uh, I often uh, will meet with these kinds of people many who come to God and receive salvation can, can for themselves identify the narrow gate but ask them can you identify what the narrow gate is they have a definition of their own. (coughs) They look at me and don't know how to respond. And I say, can you imagine that you're not saved, you're perishing? They say, we saved, we do this and this. And I said, you can't identify the narrow gate. What are the? What is the true narrow gate? Those who will be saved are those who go through the narrow gate. How can you enter if you can't identify them? Not even looking at the fact that... Or can they even identify if they've entered through the narrow gate? That's why many will try to enter, will not be able to. This is one of the components of identifying purity of your heart from lawlessness. One of the specific definitions of the narrow gate is a circumcised heart by being obedient to the truth of the cross of Christ that we can receive in no other way but by being instructed in the faith. Evidence of membership to the family of God and the right to the kingdom of heaven that these people lay claim to in their opinion require rebuking demons, performing 
performing miracles and even the belief that it was Jesus that taught them in their streets. In, when in fact they under the influence and dependence of the unclean spirit that they receive as the Holy Spirit and it is by His power that they perform miracles, one of the reasons these people being heirs of the kingdom of heaven lose it and are thrust out is that they ignore the fact that true victory over demons is possible only by losing our soul. And such a loss of the soul is not possible without implementing the truth contained the essence of the cross of Christ into our essence. And they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death, Revelations 12.11. Continuing, these people ignored and forsook the fact that Jesus had never taught anyone and isn't planning to teach anyone upon their own personal streets. As to preach his teaching, he has his own personal street, in the midst of which a river of life flows, which is the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. In the middle of its street of the New Jerusalem and on each side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, Revelation 22, 2. And so this street is that church of saints where the teaching of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh is preached in the 12 elementary teachings of Christ. And these people, instead of presenting evidence of their begin beginning or their membership to the New Jerusalem, which is the family of God and the street of God, for some reason continue to rely upon their own personal streets upon which Christ never was. Look at the name of many churches today. These are all different streets. The next argument or form of evidence for the right to enter the kingdom of heaven presented by these people in, is that they as if ate and drank before God. They say, we ate and drank in your presence. However, they did not consider first before what God and what food they ate and drank, the food that God offered them in the form of the truth of the cross of Christ and the slain lamb or their own personal truth in the form of prosperity, rebuking of demons, and other spiritual demonstrations. For them, the food in the form of the truth of the cross of Christ was foreign. Foreign to them were also those who did, did consume it, since true candidates for the kingdom of heaven differ by the fact that their food is the word about the cross of Christ. How do you cast off the old man with his deeds? Because the cross of Christ needs to prepare, and then the resurrection of Christ will do the work further. If the cross of Christ will not finish its work, then the resurrection of Christ will not have anything to do. How can you dress a person into the glory of God, into the resurrection of Christ, if his body he was not submerged into the death of Christ first. He did not cast off the old man from himself, did not eliminate the sinful man. He is a servant of, his, of sin. To differentiate the voice of God from the multitude of other voices, including his own voice that man also often considers to be the voice of God, is possible upon one condition. First, eat as food, not a pig in the form of personal benefits and gains and desires of the flesh and thoughts. A pig is one 
who does not meditate about the Word of God. They don't want to meditate about it and chew up the Word that they hear. So you need to eat not pigs, which are forms of personal benefits and gains and desires of the flesh and thoughts, but a lamb from the sheepfold or the goatfold in the form of the desires and intentions of God. And second, remain and learn not upon your own streets, but upon the street of the New Jerusalem. The street of the New Jerusalem is the path or direction to God, and according to the requirements of Scripture to end up upon the streets to God, it is necessary to possess the nature of a lamb, to walk the path of the lamb and tend your pure thoughts beside the shepherd's tents. Songs of Solomon 1, 7 and 8. Tell me, O you whom I love, where your feed where you feed your flock, where you make it rest at noon, for why should I be as one who veils yourself by the flocks of your companions? If you do not know, O fairest among women, follow in the footsteps of the flock, and feed your little goats beside the shepherd's tents, to tend your thoughts, again, by the shepherd's tents. This is why being upon his own personal streets, this person actually revolted and resisted God, and as a result did not have the ability to differentiate the spirit of truth from the spirit of deception. Therefore, to overcome the ancient serpent called the devil and Satan by the way of rebuking demons, performing miracles, and learning upon your own personal and idolized streets is impossible. Specifically, upon the cross, God freed man from the dependence of his own food as well as captivity of his own streets in the form of the governing of his old man and dressed him into his street in the form of the new Jerusalem with the son of God being master. It is by the method of eating the Passover God united into one whole those who came to him as written do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcised nor uncircumcised barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all and in all, Colossians 3, 9 through 11. According to the requirements of Scripture, such circumcision, casting off of the old man with his deeds, and such dressing of our body into its new person, who is renewed in knowledge into the image of the one who created him, is the true identification of the loss of the soul and the death of Christ. We need to not forget that the truth about the blood by itself does not work or does not have power without the cross, just as the truth about the cross does not have power without the truth about the blood because the purpose of the cross of Christ is the destruction of the source of sin. At the same time the blood of the cross of Christ, its purpose is to destroy the results that sin produced. It is possible someone may ask the question, back then there was no teaching about the cross. If there was no teaching about the cross then, then it would not have been today. The thing is, back then, the word about the cross was consisted in the requirements of circumcision. And if man collaborated with God in the question of circumcising his ear and heart, then he was making himself available for the work of the power of the cross of Christ. In the book of Deuteronomy, God first requires man to circumcise the foreskin of his heart by himself. That is, himself removed the old man. Second, God promises that he himself will become a participant participant in the circumcision. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? Therefore, circumcise the foreskin of your heart, and be stiff-necked no longer. Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 16. 
According to this place of scripture, and it isn't the only one, until a person circumcises his heart, he will not have the fear of the Lord abiding within his heart, and further, he will not understand and walk the ways of the Lord and He will not be able to love God or serve God with all of his heart and with all of his soul. And to do the work of such circumcision and by doing so remove from himself the old man, you need to be dressed into the fear of the Lord, giving us the ability to differentiate the ways of the Lord from the false ways and walk the ways of the Lord to test your heart for purity. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul that you may live. Also the Lord your God will put all all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecute you. When circumcision happens, then all the curses that are today upon you will be put on your enemies, on those who hate you, who persecuted you, and you will again obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the works of your hands, in the fruits of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good. Again, here, the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land is a symbol of the fruits of the Spirit. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he for you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. Deuteronomy 36 through 9. Therefore, collaborating with God to circumcise the foreskin of your heart symbolically is collaborating with God to cast off from yourself the old man, giving Christ the ability to be king or to reign within your body or to dress our body into its new person. Summing up the given question, we need to conclude to not find lawlessness within our heart and to take power over sin and give God a basis to dress our body into its new person. It is necessary to have a circumcised heart in which the fear of the Lord can be. Amen. Let us pray. Let's bend our heads or our knees, however, who is comfortable, and we will pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we worship before you upon this blessed place that you have separated for your glory, upon which you will dress us into our new person. Upon this place, you have cast off the old man with his deeds. You have shown all of your great wisdom. You have shown the essence of your fear, its purpose, and its goals for us. That your fear is equivalent to your holy and selective love and your wisdom. That your fear identifies your commandments that we fulfill and we be then dressed into your glory. I continue to rejoice within my heart and am glad. I wait for the appointed by you time. No one of us can identify those times, but we can boldly rely just as a woman who is pregnant and carries within her womb, under her heart, her child. Sooner or later, the time will come when she will give birth. It will not be forever. And if you gave us the the ability to conceive, you will give us the ability to bear. I thank you that we today are pregnant with this great revelation, and we carry it within our heart.
and we rejoice before you, and we worship before you, because this is your holy place that upon which your godly ladder is that you had built between heaven and earth upon which heaven these angels heavenly angels go up and down to serve those who fear you upon which you stand this ladder ladder is where you stand and give your oath promises that you will not abandon us that you will fulfill everything that you have told us that you will deliver us from our enemies you will deliver us from the law of sin and death by the power of the law of the spirit of life you will eliminate it from our body and you will dress us into your word into our new person I rejoice before your face together with your people and am glad I rejoice before your great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us together proclaim our unchanging manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.